Hi everybody, welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I'm Nick, I'm your host. Today's a very special interview. This one's was two hours, so I made it, I'm making it two episodes. Tomorrow we're going to be having part two. Who was the person you may say was the one uh, whose conversation was so stirring that we wound up having to do over two hours of talking? Scott Thompson. It was Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall, from Hannibal, from The Larry Sanders Show, from Brain Candy, Danny Husk, Buddy Cole, appearances on Conan. This is a guy I've respected for a really long time. He's very funny in in a, 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 a very specific way, and he's also always into being, taking chances. And I've always respected that a lot, that he has both a, a, a precision he can do and a very specific attempt to be outrageous that he can do. And it's a great combination. He's a really intelligent guy. Um, yeah, and we have a lot of fun when we, when we yak, which we've, we've so, so that's it. He has an album you should listen to. It's, it's called Not a Fan. And uh, you can find it in the link I've included in the episode notes for this. And if you enjoy Nick Flanagan Weekly, you can support it by buying my album Wiped Privilege on Bandcamp, nickflanagan.bandcamp.com. Or just tell a friend. You know, follow the Twitter, review and subscribe, all the things. Enough already. Sorry there's no diegetic music now, but I do listen to music with Scott. And let me tell you, part one is awesome. We talk a lot about what's going on in the world. We talk a little bit about Scott's history and some conflict. And uh, we talk about Buddy Cole. Um, And that's just the, the first part. The second part, we get into some really wild stuff, too. So, enjoy. Female serial killer still an unexplored. Uh... It just doesn't happen enough. It's such a rare, rare thing. And I mean, it, has there ever been a real female serial killer? Well, you know when women are so. serial killers, when they're nurses. Yeah. That's when they're serial killers. Yeah. Angels of death. Angels of but death. But that's it. They never like. But that's about it. Or else there's like you know um, Eileen Warnos and and that's I mean she's a serial I don't know killer. That, yeah, but she's more of a spree killer and it wasn't. It's our. She's a hard one. Warnos is a serial killer, but she's also, I mean, if it's a sex worker and they kill people, I think that's, that's fine. Well, you know it's not fine. I mean, it's, it's... No, it's not fine. Why is it fine? Well, it's... People have no right to go to prostitutes? No, they do. Of course they do. But, um, in my view, if you have had trauma, you can do anything, anything illegal. But then that would be, that's like letting everybody off the hook. Uh, everyone is off the hook, yeah. That's chaos. That's the purge every day. How do you feel about that? Not good. Why would you worry about Because it? I've been through so much trauma, then I would be a huge... I get to kill lots of people. Now, how does that make you feel? Terrible. You that? I have no right to kill anyone. Just because I've been through a lot doesn't mean I have any right to act in a way uh, unlike other people that haven't. Have you gotten in physical fights? In my life? Are you talking... Are you started? Yeah, we're, we're starting. Um, have I ever been in a physical fight? Yeah. Of course I have. Let's talk about it. Uh, what, what, there's, some, there's a lot. Okay. You mean where I instigated or like like barroom brawls? Are you talking like family well, why fights? Why don't we section it out? Okay, there's so many types of So let's talk about chi- childhood fights. 
Oh, God, constantly. I have four brothers. Yeah. So I grew up in a cauldron of violence. I mean, literally, how we communicated was through punching. Um, you wouldn't pass a brother in the hallway without punching him in the shoulder. I mean, I don't think my, I don't, when I, by the time I left my home, my, both my shoulders, I, they never really healed. They, 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 you have, like, vestigial bruises. Yes, I'm always, yeah, so there was tons, and so my brothers and I had tons of physical fights, a huge ones, uh -huh. and my father was quite violent. Really? So he beat us a lot. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. It's not that weird. Yeah, I'm sure that, I've said that before. You don't like that pillow? Not really. Um, Do you like that pillow? Yeah, it's just this was part of the ensemble. There's some cat fur. Yeah, that's more like a, a hat for this couch. <laughs> and then, uh, but you know, and I got, I've been bashed, I've been beat up. Well, yeah, I wanted to get there. Let's, let's stay in the. the I've never, like in a classic bar fight. Like, oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever. I've been attacked in bars, definitely. Um, but I, I, I mean, bars where the punches are f flying and all that sort of thing. Right, like the Royal Canadian Legion. Yeah. Um, Wait, I've been involved with my buddies in those kinds of fights, but I wasn't. When punches. a friend got in a fight, you would say, hey. Yeah, one of the worst times that ever yeah. happened was we were in like grade 11. Uh -huh. And I had a group of friends that were always getting into trouble. Uh -huh. And that's the guys that I hung around with. I guess I was trying to prove that I was tough. Yeah. And so my friend Bob, right. was, we called him Tiger. Always getting into fights, mm -hmm. always challenging guys in bars and stuff. And there was this group of, of in another rival high school, mm -hmm. and our groups didn't like each other. I wouldn't call it gangs, but sort of in yeah. a way. And anyways, one night, um, I don't know how, how it all came together, but we were all the people like, like you know West Side Story. People met at one. In Did somewhere. you dance? There was dancing, there was <laughs> flashing of knives, there were strobe lights, it was the whole thing. Boners. Yeah, and um, anyways, it got really ugly, and, and um, he, he, their, their um, fighter, or their designated fighter, and our designated fighter got into Your it. Your champions. Our champions, yeah, yeah. like our, yeah, our warriors. Right. Their warrior and our warrior. Your avatars. Yeah, they, they were fighting, and there was all, people were, you know, each person had their group around them. Mm-hmm. And uh, their champion did, was getting better, and they of, of ours, and he started beating him, and then he had his head down the ground. He was banging his head against the, the curb, uh -huh. and the, his girlfriend came over, and she started kicking him, right. and I'm like, no fucking way. So yeah. I grabbed her, and she turned on me, and she booted me in the balls, right. and I passed out. Yeah, well, I, I literally I, I woke yeah. up in the back of the car. That's horrible. I she it was such a, a kick yeah. that I, I I lost consciousness. So the worst was like a girl did the worst thing ever to me. This makes a lot of suddenly this explains like everything. she booted me and I because I I couldn't because I guess the other guys were constrained from fight. They were like I, I saw her and I I was like you can't do that. This is a fair fight. Right. Just because you're a girl doesn't mean you can fucking do that. Right. So I had no problems grabbing her and pulling her off, wow. but they did. And when that happened, did you sort of confirm your sexuality slightly? You were no, I knew. <laughs> you, you were like, I have no love for this. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I see women. I think maybe you love women. I love women. I think with women, I see them in a, more, a, a clearer way than heterosexual men do, because I'm not always looking for pussy. 
So right. I think I see women, um, I treat them more like, do you know what I mean? Colleagues. Well, yes, exactly. Yes. In the same, in the same. We're in the same boat. Yes. We're both being preyed on by men. Oh, hopefully. Hopefully. And I mean. uh, <laughs> when things go well, well, you know, you know what I mean? When you're preyed on the right way. Right. P-R-A-Y-E. Yes. No, E-Y. I like, you know. <laughs> I like it, too. I like Eat, Pray, Love, and mine would be P-R-E-Y. <laughs> eat, Pray, Fall in Love, yeah, hopefully. Eat, yeah. <laughs> also, you know, you like to eat, pray. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you love to eat, I love pray. eat, pray. Love, eat, pray. Yeah. That's um, my Elizabeth Gilbert. <laughs> so you, you and I moved to L.A. Uh, around the same time, yeah. if you recall. Yeah. You moved My moving back. back. Yes. 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 How how many times did you live there before and for how Twice. Long? Yeah. I've gone and come back twice before. You know, I went there in 90, I guess, after the kids in the hall ended, like 96 or 7, or, yeah, mm -hmm. with the, to do Larry Sanders. And right. I stayed there for quite a while. Then I came back, um, excuse me, when some bad things happened, I guess um, 2002. And I, I read stayed. all this stuff about the bad things you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's very vague about it. A lot of bad things. Well, so I, I kind yeah. of... That documentary? Yeah, after I got firebombed yeah. in 2000, I moved back to Toronto. And you were firebombed because your boyfriend at the time... Made a movie called Uncle Saddam. Yeah. And I wrote it. Yeah. And it was a documentary on the private life of Saddam Hussein. Uh-huh. And it was a, a, like kind of a Hollywood... Um, Babylon look at the family <laughs> like a, like a, like almost like you know an e true Hollywood story and it's kind of a, a campy funny look at this at the Husseins mm -hmm. like, like like they're the mad like the Trumps or something like a right. rich rich family and it's it's but it's it's a com it's comic but satirical and then he made this movie and then we got firebombed by a Islamic fundamentalist group or that's what they said it was which is and that sent me into a tizzy and that's what made me go home, and I bought my condo here, and that's that was my first time back. Uh, but I still went back. I didn't come. I didn't come back for good. Like uh -huh. I still kept going back and forth. But I really was at that point. Things just started to really go bad, and I just really wanted to be in Toronto for a while. Yeah. And then I moved back again in like two thousand and five, and after being here about three years, and then I moved back in like two thousand and five or. 2006 and I managed to stay there for about three years before I got cancer in 2009 and that's when healthcare became yes and preempt that's all that I mattered so I came yeah. back that second time and this time I stayed for the, a long much longer time I, after I got better at the end of 2009 beginning of 2010 yeah I decided I would um, really take on stand-up yes and that's where I met you yeah and, yeah and lots of other people like you yeah. your world anyway uh, yeah you keep. How have you managed to uh, bounce back in these situations? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm only asking that. I told you a bit about my situation, and it's you know I'm kind of in a bounce back point. Yeah. But I didn't really have the high point of being on the Larry Sanders show. No, that's the thing. I guess maybe what helps me is because my troughs have been quite deep. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've had a lot go on. Like, I mean, but my highs have been pretty high too. Right, so which is why it's right that you want to be in Los Angeles because I that's do. almost the definition of Los Angeles. Yes, low lows. I don't know highs. why I keep going. I just there's no other, you know. I, what else are you gonna do? There's no place like it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I mean in terms of being resilient, I just keep moving on because I I keep surviving things, and then I figure, what's the point? You know, I'm not gonna give up. Um, why? 
Why wouldn't I give up? Yeah. Oh, wow. What, wow, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I don't because know. What keeps us as people from giving up? Because there's always something beautiful around the next corner. I agree with you. Right? I agree with you. It's always something interesting or that you've never seen before. Or I'm not giving up. No, obviously not. No. And, I, and what's funny is that, you know, one of the reasons I'm not is, you know, I'm not trying. I've told you this so many times, but... Um, I, I think what I really gravitated towards you and Kids in the Hall for a, not even not during Kids in the Hall it's really after that okay. as, as, a, as a talk show of Peter, Peter oh thank you yeah and, yeah. and um, you know I mean that must have been during what was beginning to be a more difficult period for you too I oh, think oh yeah that period like because we're talking 96 yeah that was a terrible those years that was the year my brother killed himself in 1995 yeah, yeah but but one of the things that kept him going was Conan like I was always well, on Conan O'Brien well that's when I would watch you I would watch you on Conan and it was such good panel work you know that I was um, I was just inspired by it I was just like in love with it I loved you and Norm Macdonald and uh, oh, yeah. you know some other people <clears throat> I have to say some women um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you couldn't think of them right away. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I felt guilty. And Sarah <laughs> Silverman. There we go. Joan Rivers. And <laughs> now you got to the people of color. Yeah, they're all white. Marsha Warfield. There we go. <laughs> um, the character Roz, who was separate from yeah. Marsha Warfield in a way. And, uh, you know, Marsha Warfield, other characters she played. Other, yeah, for the friends of Marsha Warfield. <laughs> Allies, Marsha Warfield. Gilda's place, the charity. <laughs> Just any women. No, uh, um, so so uh, I I did love that uh, about what you were you were able to do, and that's extra interesting to me that it was during such a period uh, of hardship, because or at least um, but I was resilience. Also, I was also on Larry period. Sanders. Like I was also on Larry Sanders at the time. Uh, yeah, um, you were having a, a bipolar two type of experience, basically, yeah. which is good and bad at yeah. the same time. And I love the discipline of a talk show, and I love the fact paneling. I used to love Burt Reynolds because you conformed to it perfectly. Yeah, and, and and also very few people would allow me to be myself back then. You couldn't like, and, you know, I was openly gay in the nineties, right. and I could, I, I I went off all the time, and Conan really let me do it. It was you like, and Harvey Firestein. Um, so it, I, I loved it actually, and it kept me. It just I thought it, I thought of it as a real comedy. You work on it, you talk to them like three or four times, and Canadian show business doesn't do that. No, but one of my favorite talk show appearances of yours was on a Canadian talk show, and I've mentioned this to you before too. You may not remember, but there was a you know I know you remember open mic with Mike Bullard. Of course. Uh, can, Is that when I went on as Francesca Fiore? No, that was when you went on as Scott Thompson on like September sixteenth. 2001. Oh, yes. So, again, I forgot this is, about that. Well, this is the thing. I talked about 9 11, didn't you I? You definitely talked about 9 11 in depth. And you said things that, had you been in America, you probably would have been barred from entering America at that time. Yeah. Which is ironic because. I really went far, I recall. You said, uh, the only joke that I recall right now was that you said we should send. Um, like a person, uh, no, like a mercenary described as a Muslim boy. So he's like, 
to seduce them. To seduce Osama bin Laden and then and then kill them, kill That's him. That's what I did. Yes. I said send in beautiful boys <laughs> to seduce him and the Mujahideen and have them put like razor blades in their mouth and when they and to right. bite their cocks off or something. <laughs> something like that. I did. I talk, tackled the taboo. Of I remember watching that in Bistro 422 actually. Somewhere <laughs> weird like that. Like and, and it's a, you know this like weird punk bar in a basement in Toronto and uh, I was just like. Hell yeah, like Scott, I, you're insane. Why? But I, I'm into this, and, and it would have um, worked. I mean, maybe it, it it would probably work on Trump. Well, honestly, it would work on all men if you send in what they desire the most. Men are so stupid boys. when it comes. To I think it's always boys. Well, these are Arab men. Uh, <laughs> I say not all Arab men are gay, but they're all gay available. Is that wrong? That's so wrong. I mean, I feel like that would be probably fat well worthy in, in some. Uh... I've said, Actually, yes, I say, yes, it, I yes, say yes. all the time. I talk about you know the sexual the sexuality. What happens when you separate the sexes in the Muslim world? You're going to have a lot more situational homosexuality, mm -hmm. much like a prison. Right. It's just or possibly the army. Or the Every army, time, any, or the navy. Well, definitely the navy. Navies. I mean, these are just this is the natural thing. This is natural. This is just the way it's going to be. And I think that that drives anger too, because a lot of, and then you have a culture that hates homosexuality, sexuality so much. It's quite a recipe for constant violence. Right. Yeah. And that's where the world is at right now, because I think that well, there's I duality. That. I think there's duality. That duality is happening, obviously, in the Middle East, but also in the Middle um, East has it's. It, I think the Middle East has a problem with sexuality. How I so? Think, well, they can't discuss it. Um, Islam, I think, has a very difficult time discussing sexuality, mm -hmm. the breadth of sexuality, and, and, and the, 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 the second-class status of women mm -hmm. and the war on homosexuals, mm -hmm. while at the same time having a lot of homosexuality is a recipe for disaster. But there's also um, slightly more uh, open societies in, in, in those areas. Like Where? Turkey. No? What about Lebanon? Oh, Lebanon. Maybe yeah. a little bit in Beirut. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. There are there are gay bars I think in once, Beirut. Once you're talking about capital cities and probably a lot of those places. Yes, it, probably. You're, you're probably. But you're still underground. You're. I was going to say you're probably more in a situation like what the U.S. would have had in the 1950s. You know, yes. where there's that's a lot what it is. When I go to those countries, yeah. it's or, like or you're what back Canada would have had until the 1990s. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Canada was like when I was yeah. coming of age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. that's why gay bars are always, that's why gay bars are all, not now, but they used to always be from alleys. Yeah. They'd always have, you'd always go in the back entrances. Right. And many times, when I was a coming, a coming of age even, gay bars were quite often owned by the mob. Yeah. You yeah. know, those things, that's all true. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of exciting to be in those cultures and to explore that. Well, that's that. something else that I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you a couple of other things about, uh, uh, along those lines. Um, Louis C.K. Oh, yeah. He's back. Well, I yeah. think, yeah, yeah. We don't need to. <laughs> People have free will. Yes, he's done his time. And and he's back, and it's up to the world to that's right. make a decision. That's right. Uh, I, do I think there were some there's some issues? Yes, I personally do. Right. But, again, that's that's not why I'm bringing him up. Is that he's there. If you don't want to support him, don't, don't support him. Right. You know, if you want to try to convince the base that is supporting him to not support him, Good luck. Good luck. No, but I don't think you're gonna win. I, well, I was saying on this podcast before, there's 
the reason comedians just the reason they get space is because they and, and, and actors too is because they entertain people mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't have time to get in the nuts and bolts of like why the person they're inter who's entertaining them is bad right you know they're mm -hmm. just like oh they're back to make me laugh this is great tell me when we're at Cosby level problems, you know. Tell me when we're at, you know. Yeah, that's uh, good. Actually, I like that. Yeah, Cosby and, level. <laughs> Cosby level. Yeah. You know, and and um, and and so I think that it's kind of like what's happening with the Me Too movement right now. I think that the um, urge to just go back to status quo, so to speak, um, just so we can all go on, people can just go on with their lives, mm -hmm. is strong in people. It's very strong. And also. I think that there's an issue with uh, even the movements and, and these sort of critical movements and progressive movements where, you know, ultimately the goal is forgiveness of some sort. Because and redemption. And redemption because that's just life, you know? That's Isn't what it? every person is sort of fighting for, I yes. think. You know, and... and um, Understanding, aren't we supposed to try to understand each but other? But I think that what the people who are making you you know speaking out about this kind of thing i i think they're still in like almost a, a phase of punishment call phase? It grief or whatever you would want to call it where they're they or trauma even mm -hmm. where they're like just so mad that forgiveness especially if they feel like people are still not owning up to it that they're just like no forgiveness you know and i just how long can a that be, phase human last? Human beings can't maintain that pitch. Yeah. Of, how of long emotion. can that pitch last? I completely understand it, but but um, at one point, does it become destructive to you? You know. And, and, well, I definitely yeah. see people out there where it's becoming destructive to them. Yeah. And and also society eventually it, it goes so far one way it's gonna have to come back. But I mean, I also and there will be and it will come back with changes. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. And like then, I, I mean, but what I'm seeing is like society actually hasn't gone. Like those people who are the voices that are stressed out and, and, and loud, they are in close to a minority, if not a minority, you know? And I think that partly it's like due to social media and the privileges that, you know, in terms of just the type of people who use social media. Mm -hmm. And um, because of that, because of how that relates to media things, that's, uh, that's why it seems like there's more. But it's like not that many. There's You're not right. a lot, and yeah. that's why I sympathize with what they're going for. And more than what that, what annoys me is how everything is now put in a box. Like somehow climate change is left, and Me Too is left, and everything's left. Yeah. And it's like, okay, can we just like clear the what's right and left how here? How in the world? Because like, don't care about the planet left or right. I don't know, but you see it, right? Like, yeah, I and do it's see just it. Like, it. Doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> you could be fiscally conservative and and like traditional family values uh -huh. and love the planet. But I think what it is, is it because business, you have to love business. No, I think it's religion. I think what it is is a big part of the the duality again that I'm talking about in societies is like everyone wants to talk in this secular way because like you know let's say Ben Shapiro. He'll speak in uh -huh. a very secular way about the planet. And he's and a very devout Jew. In other words, yeah. they think that there's a plan. And I think yeah. that that is at the baseline of a lot of climate is change Is that anti-environment? Like, oh, he, yeah. Does he not believe in global warming? I mean, he goes, does well, this sure? is all stuff that happens. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I didn't. 
That doesn't make any sense. Like that, that, well, it makes sense when you're also you're trying to make... And you're your bet noir. <laughs> I'm sure he loves the land. He's probably a There's no who way he's, he's a land raper. I think... <laughs> no way! I, I think it really just depends on how his Patreon is doing that month. Personally, <laughs> and 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 where he's at mood wise. Isn't the environment the one thing that could unite the left and the right? I think eventually, Isn't but that it's going, going to have to get worse. Yeah, of course. Anyway, that wasn't even why I brought any okay. of this stuff up. I brought up Louis C.K. because oh, yes. he had a bit about. Um, apparently, he was trying out a bit about. Do you think gay people miss when it was bad oh, to I, be gay? Yeah, yeah. about that. Yeah, and. You know, that immediately made me think of you. And it, yeah. it made me think of when I grew up. Yeah. And when I grew up in the 1990s, I was attracted to anything subversive. Mm -hmm. Whether it was something like Tribe 8, this like lesbian band that was like super Mama aggressive. Kia? I don't know that. Yeah, Mama they were Kia. a lesbian band. Mama yeah. Kia, mm -hmm. God is my co-pilot. Like mm -hmm. different Fly, the weird poet lady. Mm -hmm. and uh, Or Pansy Division mm -hmm. at the band. Yeah. Or, or your work in Kids in the Hall. Or, or Mouth Congress. Mouth, I didn't know about Mouth Congress, your yeah. band at you, the time, but I you know now. I know you know now. now. I, I wrote the fucking. I know you did. Baby. You're the one. You <laughs> it. You're the one. And that was a really successful piece. That one. Sure yeah. was. Yeah. Anyways, go on. Anyway, sorry. but um, you know, uh, it was the sub the subversiveness. Uh, yes. And I was just wondering if you shared that. Yes. You know, idea. If you, you know, I know you talked about that when I did interview about Mouth Congress. Mm -hmm. You were like. Well, it was gay was interesting at that time, and all the people who were doing art that I loved were like gay. It was almost uh, not a coincidence, but it yeah, was. But I was smoking pot and sucking cock. That made me a criminal. Now right. that couldn't be more boring. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know. Like, I love science fiction, pot, and cock. Those are all things that make me super mainstream now. But you probably love classic science fiction i do which is not ever star wars okay which is not star wars <laughs> not star wars well which star wars was the beginning of that i do like star wars but but no i'm talking about when science fiction and fantasy were like were like literature adjacent yes that's my shit you know yes like i i read Ballard, fritz Lieber, Wyndham, asimov fritz Lieber, and, yeah, and, 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 and um Ursula K. Le Guin. I never read her, yeah, but yeah. you know, I would love to read her. And then the boringness of Anne McCaffrey, who I'm not sure. Anne McCaffrey, you know? she, she's the best. Yeah. She wrote great pulp too. She yeah. wrote all the dragon books. Well, she wrote many great there books. There you go. That you do, the word pulp is is where it all uh, comes together because these writers of, of science fiction and fantasy, in fact, could also write a detective novel. Yeah. In fact, they could also write a short story that mm -hmm. was just about people, probably. Mm -hmm. Like they were idea. They were driving That's the thing. Science ideas. fiction was about ideas, and science fiction was one of the only genres of fiction that would talk about like gender fluidity and right. homosexuality and uh -huh. that sort of thing. And all, quite often, it was all through metaphors, like aliens that were like that were shapeshifters or part male for mm -hmm. most of their life, then female for sometimes of their life. Or right? the so plants have come alive, like yeah, David Triffids. Yeah. That's maybe like David gay Triffids. people. Yeah, or, exactly. Or the and the outsider, right? And first contact and all those things. Sure, and, and of course, um, um, Childhood's End by Asimov is just great. a great book. That's a great book. Um, and there was a lot of women and a lot of lesbians writing science fiction back sure. in well, the 60s Well, I wanted to tell you, you know, my father was this poet who was in the literary scene in Toronto in the early 70s, and he lived at Judith Merrill's house. I was just going to say, yeah. I know you're going to say Judith Merrill. Yeah, she put him up, and she put up a lot of young writers, and she was a, a well-known science fiction writer. <laughs> she, oh, she's yeah. a... 
She's a tr- like she's, she's like she's a treasure. She's like a, a treasure. She's the Jane Jenkins of science fiction. Again. Yeah, yeah, and was a, a patron in a way, or or a matron of. Um, you know, writers. In, she in the female man, or is that Joanna Russ? Is I Joanna don't know. You'd know better yeah. than I. You're very well read. I, yeah. I do appreciate that. And, and but anyway, the homosexual the, thing. Yeah. Of course, there's a part of me that's like. But at the same time, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't want that kind, that level of 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 pain. Oh my god! Ever I can't again. imagine. Like when I really think about the pain, the agony, and and the self loathing that it came with. Uh-huh. The fact that you know you. I I don't know if I'm ever going to be capable of thinking that I'm whole. Right. Or that I'm as good as anyone else. Uh, I don't know if that's possible. You can keep talking if we don't care about the ring. I don't care about the ring. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, at the same time, I also do think like, well, I was I was blessed and cursed to have come of age the way I did. It's like that Arab saying, "May you be, may you live in interesting times." Right. Which is a curse <laughs> and. Um, uh, what do you call it? it it's a gift and a curse. A gift and a curse. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, you live in interesting times, and I happen to have come of age at the height of the play, at the plague, in the plague years, and that fired everything. Like there's really nothing bigger in my life than the specter of but HIV. You were also coming of age to some extent uh, in the year just prior to that, right? I mean, well, a little bit. When you mean, not as a gay man. No, when? Because when did you come out? I came out late. Uh-huh. So I came out like 1982, 83. Uh-huh. So that it was already started. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. So Ra- okay. Rock yeah. Hudson was 1984. Yeah. And, and everything was happening. It's like yeah. Rock Hudson was just, just like uh, everyday society. Right. And in the gay world, gay people knew about it since the 1980, 81. Uh-huh. And so the virus was just all, all those years until Rock Hudson, it was just going everywhere, yeah. spreading everywhere. I mean, what's so, you know, I love that something I've also always respected about your work, uh, and and this is going back. It's like okay, so you did this thing uh, with the documentary on Saddam. Oh yeah. And you named your cats Uday, Uday and Kuse around yes, that time, I did. right? Yes. So in other words, you're, and maybe it comes from this literary appreciation. You have grounding in so much of the decision making you make as an artist, which I think is so cool, and it's actually what I aspire to because I don't actually understand my subconscious perfectly and so sometimes I will do things or say things and I'll have to go backtrack and like unpack it right like, do you know what I yeah. mean and, and so you're saying naming the cats that in a weird <laughs> way made me give take something ugly and make something beautiful of it. I mean I, like you're saying that and you're trying well, to like an alchemy, alchemy you know? actually yeah because what happened to us was like a fundamentalism yeah which I don't like it anywhere I don't like fundamentalism of any kind uh-huh. whether that's sexual or religious or whatever I just don't believe in that sort of thing uh-huh. so what happened to us was like horrible to take those two names of two horrible men and then to give them to two beautiful cats right and to spend 18 years with Uday who was right. the, the, the animal love of my life yes I've never replaced him Did, would weird, you ever like, put your nose against this cold little nose oh, yeah he was just, you know, and I, I don't, so I don't, I think that in that way, maybe that, that that's a way to kind of like, um, like alchemy to translate that into yeah. love, Well, you know, you know, or art. Because there was this thing about Buddy Cole, I've, I've read interviews with you about Buddy Cole, the best interview that I, I read was the one, was it in Vulture? Yeah. That was a good one. And there, there might have been a split sider one that was as well. They did one, Fairly yeah. good. And, and uh, you know, this is the benefit of co- the comedy nerd, is they do 
deep dives on stuff that deserve it and of course don't get enough of attention in Toronto but <laughs> um, yeah from the media but um, anyway uh, you mentioned that Buddy's List you know yeah. was a very conscious decision mm -hmm. that received criticism at the time absolutely from friends uh, and I think to this day has kept Buddy from the gates kept okay. me from being let in well, I mean, that's interesting to me because what I was going to say was that almost, not the opposite, but very serious music. Uh, <laughs> that was perfectly timed. Yeah. What I'm trying you're to, lower to the boom. tell you, yeah. Scott, is that I'm Buddy. <laughs> you're not Buddy. I am. I'm, the whole time I've been Buddy. Um, was that uh, I think that maybe it extended... Uh, and gave permission for people to use that voice in there to, to actually speak in that way for years yeah. to come, you know? I don't know. Do you think that it may be, that might be why young gay men today are gayer than ever? Maybe, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, that's like, interesting. You know, because I, I, I think about that a lot. It probably Pumbly and I talk about that a yeah. lot. Like, wow, they're so much gayer. Gay than men are we so are. gay these days that straight men are gays, like, speak in that way sometimes, yeah. you know? Like, and, and, and this is in younger people. And I wonder. But, but but I don't think Buddy hurt that, you know. I I, like I don't. I, it I, must I, have combined. I wonder them. if it's it, it, you know, is it organic? Is that because the way gay men? Tell me. I don't know. Like I wonder, yeah. are are people? Is it a performative thing? Have some men become gayer than they would have been normally? Okay. Or is it that my generation had to learn how to pass? But when you or say like light skinned black people who have to learn how to sure yeah so in order to pass Jews, like none of my, yeah. Jews who have to go oh yes I'm Italian yeah oh yeah know? oh that's a lovely craft dinner here's some yeah. plate of mayonnaise Hitler's like uh yeah I'm not Jewish I swear I kill but, all know, the Jews and then once there's no anti-semitism it's like oi vey blah 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 <laughs> Havad, oh my god wouldn't that be crazy if Hitler had, served, uh, had managed to actually get rid of all the Jews and then at the end he goes no I am the last <laughs> Jew <laughs> they're all gone Yes, I'm the only gay in the village. The only Jew in the Reich. I'm the so only Jew in the Reich. But you know, I I, I just wonder about that. And, and um, well, here's it. I I I don't know. I, I think is that is that because it's probably nature and nurture combined. Yeah, like our, that's like because, the answer for so many things. Like this whole thing now, we we've sliced everything into gender. Like you know, identity politics has sliced everything into thinner and thinner slices. Yeah. And it's like now gender and sex are separate apparently. And like gender fluidity is not the same as sexual orientation, uh -huh. but really in my generation they were exactly the same thing. Okay, like it wasn't just about who you slept with. Gay men, when gay men were relaxed with each other, and, and the outside world wasn't there to judge us and hurt us, mm -hmm. gay men would relax and become much more androgynous. Right. And I and it's the same she. with gay women. We call yeah, each other girl she. and her yeah. and get her. So that's all. We're, that's not about sexual orientation. That's not about what you're fucking like i think gay men do generally are generally more gender fluid and gay women it's the truth yeah. and so but i do look at gay men today and go wow like you'll see six of them together and you'll go they're all queeny right like in our groups there'd be like maybe six gay guys there'd be like one or two really queeny ones that couldn't yeah. hide it mm -hmm. the rest knew how to hide it and i learned because i grew up with four brothers and i grew up in the time that i did I know exactly how to play a man. 
I can be, I can butch it up like well, no I think one's that business. Was what was so great in Kids in the Hall, you know, you almost played the most manly characters a lot. Well, of the Danny's time. like the most manly Danny of the manly. Danny Huskin, the cop, you know, the cop, like, Danny yeah. Coon, yeah, you know, I, you know, husband, Bauer, yeah. um, Brad, my yeah. poser guy. Yeah. But the other thing that's ironic yeah. is that, interestingly enough, now that gay men are being a, and gay women are, are being allowed to act the way they would normally without mm-hmm. society telling them to man up or woman up, mm-hmm. are they as attractive to each other? <laughs> right, because the archetypes are shifting. That's right. But, but don't, doesn't every, like, are gay men looking at other gay men and going, God, I wish they were butcher. Well, I mean, I think that there's there's sense? some yeah 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 there's some subsets. First of all, I do think that saying you know, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't say all gay men are no, are, no. are are are, are, are and, and, and also I know you're not saying that. Of course I'm not. But um, are are, are uh, sort of this this queen queeny thing. I, I see I see it more. Is it in, Buddy and RuPaul? Is that what's done it? Buddy RuPaul, um, maybe far more Firestein, You know, like it, although he was a different kind of queen, he was certainly in that like, world. You know, Basically, I can say queen. You can. I took a feminacy as feminacy is something that men are not supposed to be. It's what when you're so a the subversiveness. It's very subversive, and I used it. It was as a weapon. But he's. I took the lisp and I weaponized it. Well, I think to some extent, you know, the the expression queer. Uh, I don't know if it crosses lines of sexuality into sort of behavior and mm-hmm. and, and how we identify. Uh, I was thinking about. I read. I read a tweet from someone that'll probably drive you crazy, where it said, "I was in." I was in my college class, and straight guys don't say, straight professors shouldn't say queer. Oh. And I was kind of like, I mean. What are they supposed to say? I mean, what if you've been someone like me who's like been in this world, yeah. you know, for you know, 20 odd years, 25 years, you know, just this is, I know this shit better than I know sports, you know? Yeah, like, exactly, exactly. And it's like, I'm not saying I would call myself queer, but right. but to use that term is like, I, I can't. Where's a good term, actually? I think it really covers a lot. Well, I mean, I think it, it also, I think it may may create discomfort. Because, you know, also, I think that the phase of going, oh, they shouldn't say it, might be the first step towards saying, oh, we shouldn't say it. You know, like like the way that people go, don't say the N-word, right. you know, even among the black community. You know, mm-hmm. there's a movement for that. And um, and I, I think that, to some extent, when you, when you start doing not... Word policing of stuff that's not actually offensive, you know, mm-hmm. that's when you start getting down some some strange rules. And I hate to use the word word policing, but it's true. They're out there. Um, but yeah, uh, I forgot what I was getting at with the the subversive thing. It's a very exciting topic to me, you know, because we're talking about. Uh, I like I, I was thinking about this today when I was at when I was young. I was probably you know I was so used when you were younger today. When I was younger, Earlier today when, you were, ago, when yeah. I was younger a second ago, yeah. this occurred to me. Um, just that I was so used to seeing gay men who and gay people who were very out and very often very flamboyant mm-hmm. until I was about nineteen and I would work with people and they and also I just didn't know before. Mm-hmm. And I met a few people who I realized were gay who were just like whatever. And they talked like me or Carol right. and yeah. shooting, yeah. you know. And that was when I went, oh, this is like a, this is a bigger conspiracy than I thought. Right. <laughs> you know? What do you mean by conspiracy? I mean, yeah, I don't mean conspiracy. I mean diaspora, you know? Diaspora. <laughs> like, like every, there's so many gay people, and they aren't all just acting, you know, 
um, putting it out there as much, you right. know, or acting, as you said. I mean, the performative thing is a good point. It's like that voice is a form of activism of a sort, mm -hmm. you know, is is interesting to me as well. Although just some people like, you know, maybe... Does that voice have a word, have a name? What? Like the, the sort of lisping buddy thing? I don't... I don't know if it does. I See, I don't know, nowadays, would, would, would very effeminate men be... Be thought of more as trans now. Would that is that happening? I think femme is still a thing. Femme is femme still a thing? Yeah, Just I think femme? femme is still a thing. But I'm not. I, I hope so. Stuff. I hope so. Yeah, because yeah. I think I like femme. I like that a lot. Well, men can be. Anything. I, but that's Women a, a be that's also a gay female term as much as it would be a gay male term. Yeah, femme's a yeah. term from like the lesbian world, which yeah. is butch and femme. Yeah, yeah. And you don't really say that with men. You just you don't. Well, you, a little like. Yeah, you do. Yeah. A little bit. But, um, let me see what else I have in my what thing. Do have to, what do you got there? Not a ton. Oh, I said, we, do, okay. Okay, uh-oh. I got a lot of stuff here. Um, because we talked about going back to L.A. and, and, mm -hmm. and about Buddy, and, and it's, I, I know in interviews you've talked about Buddy is allowed to, mm -hmm. you were doing stand-up. I love, I love your stand-up. Uh, I guess you're going to do. still doing it. You're going to do stand-up next Wednesday at yeah. my show. Yes, I am. Um, and I've always loved it, and, um. But Buddy, Buddy gets away with in it. L.A. Yeah. is a little bit of an easier sell than your stand-up. Yes, from what is. I've been told, I haven't yes, actually seen you do stand-up in L.A. I don't you know. haven't? I've seen Buddy, but I don't think I ever saw stand-up because as soon as you started doing Buddy, everybody wanted Buddy. You yeah, know, that's like, right. Buddy became in demand. Yeah. And you do, you've done your show at UCB. It mm -hmm. sounds like it's always gone amazingly. Always. And, yeah. uh... You know, and this is a collection of monologues that you've been doing for years, and yeah. new, new monologues as well. And new monologues, yeah. yeah. And, and I saw you at this great venue, Dynasty Typewriter, mm -hmm. do it, and you're just you're just it's killing funny. it with this. With uh, you're killing it with Buddy, and uh, in L.A. right now, and Buddy was dormant. I know. Buddy Cole was dormant. I, by the way, I'm t I, I think we've only referred to him as Buddy. This is Scott's character, Buddy Cole. That. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know, I put about, him asleep for a I while. I don't know why you're listening. You've been listening for an hour already, and you're like, "Who's, Who's this buddy, buddy guy?" Cole? It's like because you know he's from the Nova Scotia. Buddy, yeah. I just like this straight Canadian. Exactly. Guy I've been listening to. Talking it's great that Buddy Cole is such a, it, he's such a feminine thing, but in Canada, Buddy is just a real macho thing that straight guys say. Hey, buddy, buddy did this or Buddy did that. Oh uh, yeah. But you know, no, I, I unearth Buddy when the time is right. Okay. And the time is right now. Is he a lich? What does that mean? What's that? A lich is kind of like a vampire. Yeah. A lich is like the spirit it is is like an ancient wizard that has uh, through dark magic. Like a golem? No, no, no. Through dark magic, they've actually given themselves eternal life, but uh, they lose their flesh in the process, and they're kind of these weird, rotting lizard people. Well, the original incarnation of Buddy Cole was that he was a vampire. Right. That was yeah. Three thousand years old. Yeah. So. Sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right, and I think. Buddy's really good in times of trouble and turmoil. And when things are shifting, Buddy's very, I think because of his, because he's stri he, you know, he, he's he's a man, but he, he's, he's between male and female in many ways. Mm -hmm. He's a perfect kind of a character for addressing divides mm -hmm. and addressing great social change. Mm -hmm. And because you look at him and because the way he behaves, the way he sounds and his history, you realize this is a person that's um, lived Mm -hmm. And suffered, mm -hmm. and, and 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 has uh, persevered, uh -huh. and has been as dark and as low as a human being can get, but uh -huh. always rises up. Right. And I think today people listen to those kinds of people, yeah. especially in, a t in in today's world, which is all about the oppression Olympics. Right. People look at a Buddy Cole and they go, eh, "That Copyright guy, Dave Rubin." Yeah. Is that what Do you call it? 
Is he, did he did he have did he copyright it or no? I mean he probably did. He's that much of an opportunist. But you know, <laughs> but you know, but there's, there's I'm gonna sneak in my criticism of these guys every time they come up. But there's there's truth to that. There is truth to that. Yeah. I mean we and and so there's no question that I'm taking advantage of that. Yeah. And even like a young gay man can't get away with what I do. My age in some ways is actually makes it easier for me to get like a twenty-five-year-old gay man. I don't think could get away with butt buddy. Can, Cole can get well, away. Well, they with. probably wouldn't even try. They wouldn't. To do right. It. They wouldn't you want get to. People more along the lines of Cole Escola or who I, I John adore. Early. Yes. And, you know, um, different. There's, a, there's Yang, a lot of Matt people. Rogers. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's really like an endless Joel uh, Kim Booster that goes I, you on keeps and on. going. You know, and and, um, and what they're doing, you know, is. Uh, it's, I mean, it is a pretty incredible time for, for like, L, whatever, LGBT. Oh, God, for stand-ups, it's a huge stand-ups time. Stand-ups and performers, you know, because uh, the demand is there. The audience is finally Finally. There. Fine. And, and, yes, you know, I think so. I think so. I think so. And, I mean, it's sort there's of still, There's still no gay man that's... that's, that's um, Broken the ceiling. There's still no yes, gay man that's, that's become that a star. Yes, that's something you've brought up before, like a mm-hmm. superstar. Well, there's no out gay man. No, that's right. <laughs> that's right. No out gay man. That's a big star. You know, uh, and a, do you mean a comedy star or a, uh, like an actor star? Both. Yeah, I but mean, mostly comedy stars. What I'm really talking about. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of, of who would be the closest. I'm sure that there's people. Who James Adomian. Yeah, but James is still. In the trenches. Yes, you know. he is. He's James. There isn't anyone. James, but you know, comedy is also sort of more Guy niche. Guy Branham. These, no, but the comedy is more niche than we want to admit yes, at this it point. Is. And so, so you know, when we're talking about a superstar, we're talking about someone on a level of like Joe Rogan, Amy Schumer. Um, no, there's no one like that. Louis C.K. Obviously, even you could say even a Sarah Silverman. No, there's never, that. there's never been a guy and, and reach that. For someone to get there, I think, is going to take another 10 years of... of uh, because if you even look at the trajectory of someone like Sarah Silver, these things take a long time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe it's you. It would be nice. <laughs> I think it would be nice, too. It, it, it would be... I, I, I feel like I might be a little a little long in the tooth for it, but you never know. How long is comedy, your tooth? Well, my tooth is... You know, the thing is, comedy, you don't lose it. No. Right? So... Yeah. And you get better if you don't sour. That's true. If you so, keep doing it's not like being a dancer. No. Like, so... But and I, I do feel very much like I'm in the pocket yeah. right now. Um, you know, I, I, whoever it is, I want it to happen, and it is going to happen, and I really hope I see it. Yeah. Um, but you're right, the thing with Buddy, it's interesting when I do Buddy Cole, and I'll have some of those guys around, sometimes people will look at me like, what's he doing? Like, because some of these guys are like Buddy. And they're not putting it on, right? Right, yeah, for sure. They're not putting on a persona. Yeah. They're just a feminine man, and they have that kind of yeah. gay male fluidity, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think sometimes they might look at, if especially if they don't know my work, they might go, "What is this? Is this old white guy doing?" Like, right. It might be seen some to some as a kind of a step and fetch it kind of a thing, right? Right, which would probably have been the criticism that you've faced. And I have had that criticism. It, yeah. But it doesn't usually last once they hear him speak. Well, and yeah. they see the effect that he has on the audience. I don't, and they get to know me, I don't think you continue to believe that. I think that. it's most of the time just the content of the things that you're writing is like sophisticated enough that I don't think people would um, like I, I I really don't but get they might. that I don't know people are very critical so they are and, yeah. and maybe they're not telling me to my face maybe they're just lying in wait until I you know 
mess stumble. up. Stumble. Yeah. Yes. I mean, everyone is always waiting for you. Because I was up. told recently by someone that they're very much that they're coming for you. They're waiting for you. Someone said, you know, there was some people that didn't want me to go to the Hannibal convention because I had said some things last year. What did you say? Mm. <laughs> I talked about Halloween and my, my dream for Halloween. Okay. That I think it should be a day when we just literally do blunder into all the places we're not supposed to. That it should be a day of people, men dressing as women and white dress, white people dressing as black people and black people being Asian people and men in drag and you know what I mean? And, and people, men as geishas and, yeah. and, and people wallowing in archetypes and stereotypes for one yeah, but and also things like dressing as murder victims or car crashes <laughs> or plane crashes, like one of the these things that you can't do nowadays. Two and people I think, dressing as a tower, like the other dressing as two yes, people dressing like one of the best things. My yeah. best friend and I did years ago before Halloween got so weaponized and so politicized. Yeah, we dressed as two stewardesses from a crash from a plane crash in Argentina, which right. had happened. We called them, and they were like bloody, and they we called them pampas. It was so awful. Pampas gash. We had like <laughs> Jesus, which Christ. is awful, right? And we were <laughs> yeah. women, and we were and we were dressed in drag, and we had we were bloody, and we right we had like you know we had gouts of uh, uh, cut out of us and stuff. You couldn't get away with any of that. Well, but doesn't this like tie into the whole idea of you were feeling like an inherently subversive person? And, yes. And doesn't that inform your perspective? Pretty much everything. Most of the time. Pretty much everything. So in other words, if everyone's going forth with talking about being oppressed or, or uh, you know, in, with a microphone, you know, in, with, you know, uh, uh, I, what I mean is having the privilege to have a voice to say you are oppressed mm. is its own interesting thing, you know? The privilege to have a voice to say you uh, are Well, oppressed. my theory is just that I'm, I'm know, the most oppressed people in the world right now are not going on Twitter. They're not, they don't have, uh -huh. they don't have a platform. They're fucking... Well, they're probably... They're working in, in a sweatshop in Indonesia. They're in the center making, of the earth, making, you know? Making, mining, you know? They're, they're, yes, yeah. exactly. They're in like, gold mines in, in, yeah, in, they're in Angola. A, they're in a crate on a boat, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. like, And I know people are speaking for them, but, but it is an irony to me that there is, like, giving voice to the voiceless. I really wish it's something that the voiceless could actually be given that voice rather than... But then they wouldn't be voiceless, would they? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I was basically talking about Halloween. That the, someone yeah. asked me what was my best Halloween costume. I said it was when I was in grade seven, uh -huh. and I went as Aunt Jemima, and I won. Yeah. And I said, I've literally been doing that my entire life. Yeah. I was, I was in, I, I, I was fat. I was pretending to be fat, black, and female. <laughs> and I think it's, I, I've literally been doing that my entire <laughs> life. And, and it was the best get costume I ever did. I mean, in that regard, it's... So my question for you is, if you just keep being you, is that, do you think, a more valid pursuit and success than, say, you know, if you keep being you and then people are Rather like... Rather than getting, like, a Netflix special, this is... Being yeah. me is more important. Yeah. More success... And if I keep being me, those things will never happen? Why would I say that? I'm saying, <laughs> let's say that's, that never happens. <laughs> well, those things could happen. You no, never know. No, but I mean, I am saying, like, 
let's say uh, it get it, like that stumble happens and people go, ooh, you know, we can't. Well, I, I mean, like, Norm almost, Norm McDonald almost had that, and it. we're welcome to talk about the Norm McDonald situation now. I've talked about it in the podcast already. Well, you know, we like I think to. deep down, like I, 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 one, one of the people I really relate to is like a Don Quixote. I like to tilt against windmills. Yes, mm-hmm. and you know, you, Don Quixote in a weird way is. He never really succeeds, mm-hmm. and the windmills are actually imaginary. Right. They're really just the windmills <laughs> of his mind. Right. Great song. Is that where that came from? Yes. Is that Maybe. really? I was just I never thinking thought of that. Neither did I. I love the Muppet Show version of Windmills <laughs> Over My. I don't remember the oh, singer. Oh, you gotta watch it. I don't know who sings Did Grover sing it? No, no, no. It's Muppets. It's not Sesame Street. Oh. And it's like, so it's, you know, under the variety show, Auspice, and, and, uh, the song starts and it's this guy whose legs are just spinning like a wind turbine, right. you know, and he just is singing progressively faster and faster and faster. <laughs> That's and hilarious. Yeah, it's really amazing. So, I don't know, but I do think I definitely have a contrarian um, spirit. Yeah. And a, a punk spirit. Like, I like... Sure. Because yeah. I, I do think that eventually everybody's corrupted by power. And right. Everybody's capable of doing great evil the only truly gender fluid thing is uh human nature <laughs> yeah yeah and he but, but i don't think i don't yeah. know if human nature is fluid oh I, I think it's pretty fixed fixed yeah gender fixed well not gender i don't know gender just fixed i don't think human nature's changed at all i guess when i say it's fluid it means it crosses the gender spectrums it crosses yeah. everything you know and that's the one thing that human nature just about survival it's about survival and it's about protection and it's about yeah. sometimes when you do that especially if you have a few wires uh that might be a bit more live in your head mm-hmm. maybe you overdo the protection part maybe you, to protect yourself you uh exaggerate mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't really know where i'm going here uh-huh. but it's uh it, it's uh it's it's one thing you know and i i think sometimes that's that's the the battle that's happening right now again the music is so perfect right now with the word battle and uh, life is a battle. Life is a battle. Life is a ball game. What do you mean? I don't know. A game? What's a game? It's just a little game, you know? I mean, I always see it as a fight. So it's a fight. It's a it's, fight. Maybe it's fun. Oh, it's fun. You've had the fight, though. You've had yeah, some I fight fought. in it. Yeah. But, but uh, I was just going to say, I don't even remember what I was going to say. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I feel like I was getting this. Oh, yeah, the battle between optimism, oh. that human nature is inherently good, and the battle between what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, where if nobody goes to jail, nothing happens, we will have chaos in the purge. You know, like that, those are two ethos mm-hmm. that are maybe equally. They bad. balance each other, they though. They kind of balance each chaos other. Chaos and order, male and female, all these yeah. things balance each other. John and Jane. John and Jane, yeah. <laughs> Ginger and Cayenne. Yeah, Ginger and Fred. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening to part one of the Scott Thompson interview. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. I'm Nick. Um, I should stress that I don't, as you can hear on the episode, and if you listen to other episodes, uh, I'm not normally speaking into an earbud microphone, but I didn't, I'm in Montreal. I didn't bring my microphones, so I'm walking here and going through a pedestrian tunnel soon. You're hearing cars. Uh, So... Thank you for listening. And actually, we did have computer problems for Scott's um, interview. My computer wasn't working. Um, So these are all from uh, Callum, who filmed it. His boom that he had set up. So shout out to Callum for providing us with the audio. I think it turned out pretty well. 
And uh, what that means, of course, is there will be video up on the YouTube channel. Uh, look up Flanagan Laughs, L-A-F-F-S, on YouTube, and you should Take find me. Take the pedestrian me. tunnel. And, um, yeah. Instagram, Nick Flanagan Weekly. Twitter, Nick Flan Weekly. Send comments or questions to weekly podcast at gmail.com w-e-a-k-l-y alright have a nice day oh my god I missed the pedestrian tunnel what it's on the other side they said it was on this side ugh